mommy works hard and does what she needs to do and kind of age appropriate discussion of my job to them. So they understand that I have to go in on the weekends to take care of patients. You know, they, they, they're getting that a little bit. It's role modeling too, to be able to do you work, but you also have free time and you play too, which I think is also valuable to them, even at a young age that they see the parents enjoying themselves and working and having a balance. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast on the Triple H Series, The Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. And I'm Kim Skorupski. And on today's episode, I'm very happy to introduce you to Dr. Sarah Andrews. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Kim. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start by having you tell everybody what you do here at Hopkins. So I am a psychiatrist in the Department of Psychiatry at Johns Hopkins, and mostly what I do, I do about half my time with solid organ transplant. So I do evaluations, both pre and post transplant. And the other half of my time, I work in addiction psychiatry. So I manage two of the inpatient units and work with those patients as well. Wow. I guess I didn't know about the organ transplant part of you. That's fascinating. I mean, we'll have to have that for a conversation later on how the addictions and organ transplant thing world uh, come together. And sometimes you think that there's no connection there. Although in the irony in my own career, little sidebar here, people listen to the podcast know I do this is the irony for me is I started my career as a gerontologist in aging and then went into faculty development as a total, like a shift, you know, falling backwards off a log, not knowing this was a thing. And now I found in my career, the aging and geront- and faculty development fields have merged because I'm really exploring a lot of late career faculty things. So ironically mm-hmm. that these two fields came together for me. So or addiction and organ transplant, we'll have to talk about that later. But now uh, I want you to tell people what it is, your habit, your hack, your hint that you want to share with us today. And then I'm going to remind the the podcast community of who you are. But tell us about the topic today. The topic today that we can discuss is work-life balance and raising small kids while being faculty and pursuing an academic career and how to as much as possible, raise them as well as possible. (laughs) Okay. This is wonderful. Now, everybody listening to Faculty Factory, if you've been listening for a while, you might say, wait a minute, this might sound familiar because I've mentioned Dr. Sarah at least three to five times over the years. And I would refer to you. I'm like, there was a, a young faculty member who took one of our leadership courses and it was And we're talking about the value of communication and really listening and hearing people. And you shared a story about your two adorable twins and how you were had your head in the fridge one night and you were grabbing food to prepare dinner or grabbing lunch. And and one of your daughters said was talking, mommy, 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 and talking, talking. And you were like, yes, sweetie, yes, sweetie. And she said, mommy, listen to me. And you said, I am. I am listening to you. And she said, no, mommy listen to me with your face. And everybody in the class just laughed. And that was such a genuine, sweet, innocent comment that was just so true. And it just makes me think there's so many implications these days when nobody listens to anybody with their faces because they're listening with their cell phones and they're not even looking at anybody. But 
This is the Dr. Andrews, everybody, that I've talked about with her daughter and the face in the refrigerator and listening. So I'm not sure if that was something you're going to hit, but I imagine that communication and presence is going to be one of the things you might want to talk about. Yeah. And I think presence is so valuable as a, you know, as a physician, as a faculty member and raising children, because I think it can be so easy to get wrapped up in work after after hours and be so distracted. And it's just been so, I think my girls have really helped me. They pointed out when I am not listening or when I am doing other things, they tell me to put my phone down. They tell me to just sit down at the table, put the computer away. We want to talk. We want to play. Like, I'll be like, okay, I'll sit with you. But then they're like, but you can't have your phone with you. Uh-huh. You can't be, you know, you can't be checking emails. You can't be doing other things. And even now, so I'll take call overnight and on the weekends, they always ask, okay, are you on call today? Are you, do you have to go in on the weekend? And I think it's helpful because then it preps them for, yes, I will have to be on my phone sometimes. I will have to do this. But when I'm not on call, they want me to be present and they value that, which I was not expecting from five-year-olds to be able to say that. But it's been helpful for me and helps me realize that even though I'm home, unless I am present and not distracted, it doesn't matter to them. They want me actually there with them. Yeah. Could you um, back up just a little bit and maybe share if you'd like um, a little bit about where you were in your career trajectory when you decided to start a family, just so people who are listening, mm-hmm. you might put a, a kind of wrap some parameters around like, well, who, where is she in her career? How did this happen? Yep. And that might put, help put some of your, tips in context so they can relate. Yeah. So I, we got pregnant right at the end of my fourth year of residency. And then I had the girls in September, the year after I graduated from residency. And at that point, you know, when I was pregnant, I'm like, okay, I'll be back at work in six weeks. It'll be fine. You know, it's no big deal. We'll have a nanny. We'll, you know, do all that stuff. And then once they came, just priorities changed. And where I saw my career, what I what I wanted in my career also changed. I, I think in my head, I was expecting to you know, work 80 plus hours a week, just do everything, be able to be everything and do everything at the same time. And then having the girls really put things in perspective that what are my actual priorities? I want to continue to see patients, continue to have an academic career, but how can I do that while still being the best parent that I can be and being present for them. That helped shape what I wanted to do later on in my career. So they're, the girls are five. So I've been on, they're almost six. So it's been about almost five to six years that I've been on faculty and it's just helped figure out what is the most important thing. So even now I really try to drop them off and pick them up at school but then on other times that they are, you know, in ballet or do other things, then I can get work done. I bring my laptop with me when they're doing their activities so I can just get work done. So I like make up the time or I'll wake up early and make it up, but trying to be as present as I can be for them. So when you, when it's that being in the moment, so when you are there with them, you're mindful of saying, okay, I'm doing this. So the, it doesn't sound like you are someone who wears this badge of honor of a multitasker. 
Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, other than, let me make, make this clear. Like, so if they're in a practice or in a, uh, you know, some kind of ballet or football or a play, something where a mom and dad is sitting in a, in the bleachers or on the ball field, it's reasonable at some point, I guess, to be doing something else. But when you're actually physically present and, and sharing time together for some objective to actually hang out and talk, communicate, that's when you are purposely being mindful of, no, just this. Exactly. And and so the girls do a lot of ballet, for example, and when they do their performances, yes, I am, my laptop's away, my phone's turned off, you know, I'm present. But if they're doing a practice for two hours, sitting in the waiting room, I think it's, I'm actually incredibly productive because you have those two hours to get stuff done. And it's like, no one's interrupting you. It's kind of after hours. So you don't have all these emails coming in as well. And you don't have kids coming in and out. They're occupied. They're doing what they need to do. So it's been, so that's, I definitely utilize that time as well. Yeah. Protected. Uh, that's kind of a real, a safe start stop time. So it's kind of also, exactly. I'm thinking it's safe and that it doesn't bleed over into someone doing a binge writing session or daddy's going to go into the office and I'll be out in a couple hours. It's like you said in two exactly. hours and it's been 16 hours, you know, we graduated from yeah. high school while you were back in there. So it's kind of, start and a stop around something. I'm, I'm, you know, recalling a conversation with somebody who gave me, and I can't remember who it was now. They're like, geez, you know, I don't have time to exercise, but it was one too many soccer practices and soccer games where I was sitting in my little collapsible chair. And I realized I'm in a soccer field. Why am I sitting in this chair? And she was like, I can watch the game as I'm walking around the field. So she's like, I just started doing laps I mean, she's like, I wasn't like running, but I was just moving. And she said, before you know it, I had like, there were like five or six of us in a pod that we were doing the same thing because we all realized, why are we sitting here for two and a half hours? Or even, you know, during the games, we can still watch the game while we're doing something. So that kind of was almost like a win-win because she was saying, I was starting to feel like resentful of this, but then I realized there's nothing to say I can't be doing, you know squats or leg lifts or some crunches while I'm here. There's, so I I don't want to kind of give the message that we should all be doing a thousand things at once, but there's that kind of balance, you know, of, um, then, then, then when you do something for yourself, when mom has been in the waiting room, wait for the girls doing ballet and you feel like you've accomplished something, you can check a box. And now you feel a sense of exhale. Now, when the girls come out, there can be this, face-to-face conversation. What did you do best? And what did you learn? And what do you want to work on? And tell me what, what happened today. And now you're present instead of saying, oh, I can't believe I just lost two hours. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I agree. And I think that, you know, it relates mommy works hard and does what she needs to do and kind of age appropriate discussion of my job to them. So they understand that I have to go in on the weekends to take care of patients. You know, they, they, they're getting that a little bit kind of age appropriate discussion of it. But then they also are like, I work hard. I do my schoolwork. I do other things. That's kind of what I'm doing. So it's role modeling too, to be able to do you work, but you also have free time and you play too, which I think is also valuable to them, even at a young age that they see the parents enjoying themselves and working and having a balance. I think it's been helpful for my girls. So you've taught them the rhythm of life. And you said earlier how they know. They like, they do like a pulse check of environmental scan. Okay. I need, it's like, I can picture your most beautiful little girls saying, okay, mom, I need to know, are you, are you on call this weekend? 
Are you rounding? Um, Dad, I need to know what's happening here. Give me your schedules because we need to fit. We're, we're, we're working out our schedules. So they sense of the rhythm exactly. of life. Yeah. And like you said, also you're, you're role modeling healthy. It sounds like you're role modeling healthy behaviors instead of, I don't know what's going to happen when I grow up, but I'll tell you what, sis, I don't ever want to be like these two when I grow up. <laughs> So how did you, you, you talked earlier about this, I, I, was, I like alliterations, but you had a bunch of P's, the three P's being present. You said your priorities changed and things came into perspective. So these present priorities and perspective. I was wondering where the partner came in here. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about your priorities had changed and how did that conversation happen? Where was there someone, you know, slamming the brakes going, whoa. This whole 80 hour plan of mine. Yeah, we need to have a meeting after the girls go down because there's been a change. Yeah, I, I would say my husband's been very happy about all of those changes. Um, he saw me during residency and I would work a lot and I do work now, but right in residency, we had no children. We had no other obligations. We were working very hard and it just it just changed and he was very grateful for that i think that's been very helpful for him and he is a fantastic partner as well it helps he's also in psychiatry he does a different field he's in he's not in academics and so it it helps i think they both both the kids and him we all kind of have an agreement and understanding of how we kind of manage the day and he goes to work they want to know, okay, what time is daddy leaving in the morning? Okay. Who's like, they want kind of the schedule and how things go. And they do like the consistency of it too. So they know that he, for example, can help drop them off on Friday mornings and they anticipate it. They know it. And they, they appreciate that as well. And I think you do need kind of a good partner, whether it's a spouse or family that's close by or close friends and it's a community too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also been helpful as we've raised our kids. Well, I, I don't know the girls that well. I see them, you know, used to see them at the gym a lot. And I'm, I'm guessing though, from the Myers-Briggs that they're both high J's on the Myers-Briggs that they like to have an agenda. They like a plan. And I can almost see they that do. refrigerator home with a giant calendar and see the two of them color coding mom and dad's schedules and their ballet so that they can figure out what's happening in, in the in the world. I I wondered, um, oh yeah, COVID. I was curious about how, you know, one of your P's was perspective. And it sounds like you have a pretty darn good perspective prior to COVID, but did the quarantining and that anything in during this, you know, bit of craziness help illuminate perspective or change perspective? Or were you kind of pretty much uh, in a stable pattern? Because I know for you, know, you've obviously heard stories from a lot of people about their silver lining COVID stories of, wow, you know, as a family, we do, you know, no devices and we started baking a lot of bread and we, you know, do a lot of board games. And so there's been a lot of togetherness. So do you have any um, insights from pre-COVID to post-ish COVID and how that perspective has um, um, played a role in your family life? I think one thing that's definitely in terms of our own family is like what you were saying, just the board games and the actually spending time together, right? It was so easy before. I mean, it was fun and great. The weekends, it would be birthday parties all the time. You always had something to do, but then now when it's kind of unscheduled weekends, 
really figuring out, okay, let's go for a hike. Let's do something. Let's expand what we typically do. We'll go for a hike. We'll do bike riding, things that are active for them that they enjoy, that we enjoy as well. So I think that's something that's also helped in COVID right now. I think those are some things that we've enjoyed. And I think also the perspective of, so right now I'm do some in-person when I'm inpatient, but the outpatient is virtual. And I think one thing that's also been helpful is like meetings are virtual. So before four o'clock meeting would be in the office. Now it can just be virtual. Right. And that's been very helpful with having the girls because they can be doing some activity and I can be doing a meeting. And that's been very helpful. So I think that's something that I would like to see continue. Yeah. <laughs> Post-COVID kind of the late meetings are virtual and not necessarily in person. I think that's been helpful, but also just perspective of that we just want to value the time that we spend together as a family and value the time that we have together. I think that's been really helpful for us. Beautiful. Now we talked a little bit before we started, before I pressed record, you know, checking in and how you're doing. Could you, um, you know, what are your thoughts on faculty who are listening right now going, this sounds great. What, you know, Dr. Andrews has this really kind of lined up. What an ideal situation. Gosh, she hasn't mentioned, is she worried about promotion? Is she worried about meeting criteria and, and meeting the markers? And does she have any anxiety around success and all those kind of, you know, objective metrics? I mean, do you, you know, do you kind of like stress about this stuff or are you, or, and are you in a place where you are just like, this is the season of my life right now. I'm getting through this and I'm not going to, you know, freak out about, you know, getting 52 R01s and uh, 5,000 papers. <laughs> I would say I'm more in the latter category. And as the girls have been growing, as they've gotten older, I do have more time to pursue some of that stuff, to do more of the research, to do more of the papers. Again, like I described, like when they're in their activities, their ballet, their swimming, like other things that they're doing, I get more, I do have more time now than I did before almost. So it's, so I'm using that as they get older. And like when they were young, when they were two or three, first thing I wanted to do when I got out of work is come home and spend time with them. You know, they, they needed so much more attention, so much more stuff. And it's, as they gotten older, that attention has changed into different things. So I, I do think that I'm okay with if it to be on the later end of when to get the next promotion, but still continuing to work and continuing to work hard and utilize my time as the best I can, but I'm okay with it being just a little later. I think it, it works well for me and our family and everyone's different, but I think that's been something that I've just accepted and I'm okay with that. And have you had, um, and this, this will be subjective for a lot of people listening around the world, but you might be aware of colleagues or friends or people around the country, different institutions where this might not be their situation with their their culture or the climate in their department is really different. Can you reflect or offer any bit of encouragement or advice to people who are like, must be nice to be her. If I, you know, if I'm not doing this, I'm going to be, you know, I'm out or uh, any kind of like insight to, to people who may be um, maybe struggling, struggling with this situation with young, a young family. Yeah. I mean, I think things that helped me when I first, join faculty is 
trying to find peer mentors that were in a similar situation that I was in, had young children and had to navigate that. And I think that that's been, that was helpful for me and how they, how they responded to some of the pressures within their departments that they were in and how they reflected on it and how they responded and what they did and what they did due to the pressures. So I think that was helpful to just talk to other people in a situation that maybe they're two or three years or five years ahead of me and how they maneuvered that. And I think everyone, I think everyone, it is a very individual experience, what they do for their job, their requirements, all that it's going to be very individual. But I think the most, the most important, even if it's, spending a half an hour with your kids or half an hour with your spouse or your friends, making that a very present time. I think that's the most valuable part of it, despite how much you have to be in the office or have to work and, um, or work in the evenings, just when you're, again, even if it's 15 or half an hour, just like undivided attention for the children, I think will, is very impactful for them. That's, that's great advice. And you, you know, I did mention that you did join um, the leadership program mm-hmm. in the emerging women's leadership program. It's for early career faculty members. And you did the junior faculty leadership program to the co-ed one. Yes. I did the junior faculty member. Oh, it was the co-ed one. Okay. Yeah. So that is another example of, you know, reaching out and investing some time in yourself and learning about leadership and competencies and professional development and, um, and then obviously meeting other people and those stories organically come up in those kind of longitudinal leadership programs. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that was also part, another suggestion for folks out there to not only build your own tribe with peers, but um, look for opportunities where possible. Again, you don't want to stretch yourself so thin where doing some self development, some professional development might be a good way for you to kind of step out of um, the noise in your own career, you know? Yeah. And I thought it was very helpful to meet people who were outside of my department as well, kind of outside my own experiences within my own field. So I thought that was very helpful to have someone from pediatrics, someone from surgery, just again, a variety of different ways that people are moving their careers forward and kind of struggles that they have. Right. There's not, there's nothing to me that's more, more valuable than, looking at other people and hearing their stories and going, Oh, that's really, I'm not the only one or that's interesting. That's, I would not have done it that way, but that seems to have worked. So that the wisdom that everybody has in their own stories of going through life and how they handled things, even if you're not there yet, um, those stories will stick around. And to me, it's just always, I never failed to learn something. In, in all those courses. And I mean, there's yeah. been, you know, so hundreds and hundreds of faculty and so dozens and dozens and dozens of leadership programs. I would love going to that because someone was going to say something so smart and I was going to be like, yeah, I got to write that down. Yeah. Agreed. Well, you shared um, five P's now, folks, you, we've been learning a lot from Dr. Sarah Andrews. I hope you've enjoyed the time with her. I'm going to give her some time to close us out, but I just wanted to wrap up by saying, boy, I loved her P's. Be present. Think about priorities. Uh, try to gain a little perspective. 
partner, a, the value of a good partner in peer mentors, uh, lots of peace. And then with the girls, rhythm and role modeling. So I think I've, I've learned from you. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Dr. Sarah Anders, what would you like to leave um, as parting thoughts? Because my last thought was just to enjoy to enjoy life at work and life at home and try to figure out the own balance. It doesn't have to be 50-50. It doesn't have to be 30-70. Everyone has their own balance. Um, and I think it's just being satisfied with whatever balance you do find. I think that's one of the most important parts of it. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, this is here and now. Um, this too shall, my mom said, this too shall pass. So if you're in a, in a rough spot, that this is going to pass. If you're in a good spot, be grateful, be in that spot. And there's no sense worrying about the future. It's going to take care of itself. So great reminder, everybody. This has been Dr. Sarah Andrews. You've been on the Faculty Factory podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.